Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans chapter 8. What are we going to talk about today, Pastor? Our new series, Your True Identity. Your True Identity. The devil has always taken the things of God and perverted them. Always. He has nothing new to come up with. He has nothing new to invent or to try to use against you. He's always going to take something God meant for good and he's going to turn around and he's going to pervert it and try to use it against you in a way that will harm your life. What are we living in in our culture and our society today? So in our culture and society today, we're going through this whole identity thing, right? Male saying, I identify as a female. Female saying, I identify as a male. We got kids today saying, I identify as a cat. So I'm a cat. You need to have a litter box in the classroom because I'm a cat. Well, I identify as a dog. Well, how many of you identify as having all your taxes for life paid? So you don't have to pay tax anymore. A few of you picked up on that. Chef in the back, man, he was waving big time. So what the devil has done all through the history of the fall of man, he's taken what is an absolute and a positive in our life from God, and he's perverted it, and he's tried to get us to use it in another way. You and I are not supposed to identify with our old nature any longer. We are now supposed to identify with the new creation, the new man who's on the inside. We're supposed to switch our identity. And a lot of Christians still have not done this. A lot of Christians are still identifying with the old Adamic nature. When you identify through your soul with the old Adamic nature, you're going to continue to be governed by that old fallen nature. You're not going to walk in the new aspect of life that God has for you because you're not identifying with it. You know, I thought about this this morning. You could have named this a lot of different things. Uh, one time, actually years ago, did a series on this called Images Everything. Remember the, the commercials back in the day for Canon? You know, Canon cameras. Some of you probably not over 45, 50. have no idea what I'm talking about. They used to have a famous tennis player. I forget his name. He was one of them on there. But they would take pictures of him. And Canon had this commercial as they would show a picture of him because he was real famous in the day. Image is everything. The quality of the image and all that stuff. Well, how many of you know that we're pretty hung up on images today? Anybody know that? I mean, you look at everybody walking around with a cell phone. Isn't it amazing how many Facebook people change their image on their Facebook all the time? Got to get a new picture, got a new picture. Well, if you think about an image, really, how do we create an image? So here's my phone, right? So, you know, here's my photo app on my phone. How do we create an image? Well, so if I want an image of Josh here, <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on, say focus. focus. You didn't say it loud enough, focus. focus. So I'm going to point my lens at Josh, I'm going to focus on Josh and I'm going to hit the button and lo and behold, I have an image of Josh. But, although I like Josh's image, I'm going to actually do another one. I want an image of Brandy. So, how do I get an image of Brandy? I take the lens. I take the lens. I focus in. I hit a button. And lo and behold, I now have an image of Brandy. She's not going to like that one. I tell you, I tell you, can you see that? It's almost like she had a sour grape right at that moment. Don't worry, I'll delete them, I promise. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen to me. What determines your identity? What determines your identity? What you take your lens, what you focus on, what you take your lens, your view, and what you focus on and you constantly picture, that's going to create an image in you. And you know where most of you are actually still looking at? Your old Adamic nature. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw stuff. Well, I'll let you today. I'll let Josh come up and help me, protect me. You can throw stuff if you want. 
my diabetes, my ADHD. Come on, my cancer, my this, my that. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where'd you get that image? Where'd you get that identity? I'll tell you how. Doesn't mean it may not be there in your body, but you're not a body. This is your problem. You're, you're focusing on your external being and or your soul, and by doing so, you're looking at the old you. I'm going to say that one more time because I know you didn't get it the first time. You are, I'm going to make sure and turn it on vibrate because, man, the other day I was doing a membership class and Kathy called me right in the middle of membership class. She didn't know and my phone started ringing. So you got to understand this. You got to get this. I'm telling, this is critical, man, because listen, what you identify with is going to determine how you're going to live out your life. You keep taking your focus in life, your lenses in life, and you keep focusing on the old Adamic nature, your external body. Your soul, your mind, your emotions, your feelings, your will. And you don't look to the new you on the inside. Let me tell you what you're going to see an image of. The old Adamic nature. You listening today? Guess what's going to come out as you focus on the old Adamic nature? Words that agree with that old image. This is who I am. This is what I have. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that who God said you are? Is that what God said you have? It breaks my heart. It just literally breaks my heart so many times to see as a pastor. Hear it from my own congregation members that I've taught for years. I got this. I got that. I do that. I always just almost want to stop them right in the midst of it. You know, I mean, just to wake them up. Not to hurt them, right? But just to wake them up. Just to slap them right in the midst of that and say, would you listen to what you're saying? Right? Somebody says something to you. You get offended. You get all upset. You get mad. You get angry. You get hurt. You start whining. You start crying. You want to fight back. Let me help you. You're looking at your old Adamic nature. You're looking at your old Adamic nature who doesn't like what they said. And that don't sit well with you because you're talking about you as a soulish being, not a spirit being. Your spirit has no recourse of wanting to get back at people. Your spirit's like God. It's love. It's forgiveness. Your spirit will instantly forgive. Your soul won't. Your soul wants to punch. Your soul wants to fight. Your soul wants to cry. Your emotions want to control you all of a sudden. Where did Jesus' emotions control him? They didn't. He's your model. He's your example. Tell your neighbor, you're going to want to pay close attention. Now, if you want to live the kind of life God has for you, I would encourage you to pay very close attention today. Next week, every t- all the time we're in this series. Tonight, I'm hopeful to start answering your questions. All of you that have been submitting questions, we should start getting into some of those tonight. Romans chapter 8, are you with me? Yeah. Verse 29, for whom he, he, God the Father, foreknew. How in the world did he foreknow us, Pastor? You came from him. You came from him. Well, how did I come from him? You're a spirit. Let me, let me rewind the tape for a minute. Let's back up. So let's go back to creation. Can we somehow at least try to get people to understand this truth? Somehow. When God created actual context of what we would call a complete being, not just a human. He wasn't just a human being. He was filled with God. God's not a human being. You listening? God's a spirit being. God creates this body out of the dust of the ground. Guess what your body is that you keep claiming is you? It's dirt. Now, I can prove this all through the Bible. I've taught you this many times. Go through every single New Testament letter, Romans to Revelation. Look at every single time these men of God, writing those letters inspired by the Holy Spirit, referred to themselves in the first person as I or me. You know what they never referred to? Their soul or their body. Every time they referred to themselves in the first person, guess who they were talking about? Their spirit man. You know why? Because they got a new image. They found out their new identity in Christ. And that's what they focused on. I'll give you one. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Was his body crucified? No, he had to deal with that. Has his soul been crucified? No, he had to deal with that. Had to renew it just like you do. What was crucified? That old spirit man. So what was he talking about? His old spirit man. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. It's no longer I. No longer I who live. Who's the I who no longer lives? Well, his soul's still around. 
His body's still around. Who's the eye that's no longer around? The old spirit man. He died. He's gone. Some of you look at me like you've never heard this before. Maybe you haven't. I hope I help you today. And so he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You ready? It's now Christ. Guess where your new image comes from? Guess how you're going to see yourself? You better start focusing your lens on Jesus. Every day. Because I'm about to read a verse to you that you're going to find out that if you learn about him, you learn about you. If you get a picture of him, you get a picture of you. Amen. He said, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. You ready? Ready? And the life I. See, so you had to go circle every time he said I there. The life I now live. Listen, in this body. Oh, you're not a body. See, he didn't say I as a body. He said, no, the life I now live in this body. Who I? The spirit man. I live by faith in the son of God. And see, the problem with a lot of believers today is, one, they've never been in a church like this to teach them these truths, or two, they won't simply live by them. They keep focusing on themselves. We've taught many different ways to try to get you to understand, as Scripture is very clear, you are not a soul, you are a spirit. Your soul didn't get saved when you got born again. James tells you so. James, the book of James tells you your soul was not saved. The Bible tells us very clearly in the book of James, your soul has to be saved by the renewing of the word of God, by the washing of the word of God. What am I actually, we're going to get in this later, but what am I actually uh, washing my soul from? The old focus. And now I'm doing what? I'm renewing my soul to look where? Inward, not outward. To look at the new guy on the inside. I'm going to teach you this at some point in this series, but I want you to get it. I'm going to give, it up. I'm going to give you a benefit up front. You ready? I'm going to give you a little nugget up front. This is how God created you to function as a total being. He wants your spirit, soul, and body all working together as one, the Bible says. And here's the problem. Not a bad problem. It's a good one. Because Christianity does create problems. Like it or not. Here's the problem. When you got born again, your spirit will no longer agree with your soul and your body. It will not. The Bible says not one good thing that dwells in your flesh. That's not just talking about your outer body. That's talking about even your soulish nature that hasn't been renewed yet that still thinks carnal. To be spiritually minded. To be spiritually minded. The Bible says it. We're going to see it later in the book of Romans chapter 8 earlier in this chapter. Is to be carnal. To be spirit. Excuse me. To be sorry. To be fleshly minded is to live carnal. To be spiritually minded is to live life in peace. That's your soul. You got to get your soul spiritually minded. What if I don't? You're going to still live carnal. You're going to live according to the old nature. You're going to live far below your privileges. Come on, you're going to live far below what God actually created you to walk in. You're not going to live like Jesus, but you can. I said you can. So God created man out of the dust of the ground. The Bible says he breathed into him. You ready for this? The breath. That word breath, if you look it up in the Hebrew, means he breathed in him his spirit and his soul. Your soul will go with your spirit wherever it goes. But your soul's not saved. Your spirit is. Yes. Who's the eye that died? The spirit man did. The soul didn't. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't tell you to renew it. Right. There's no reason to. But the soul is your mind, reasoning faculties, your will, decisions and choices you make, and your emotions. How many know if you're ruled by your emotions and not by your spirit, you're going to live under the old Adamic nature? Thank you for all your amens about this. Amen. Trying to help you today. You're awful quiet. Amen. If I choose to be, this is how God sets you up to function. I was going to say a minute ago. Say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. Have, a soul, have a soul. Live in a body. I'd bring three people over. I've done it before, but I don't have time. I've got to get through this. So you need to understand this. Your spirit man was dominated to be the king of your life. Amen. Created, excuse me, created to be the king of your life. Well, what Jesus was, he's living in your spirit. Your spirit's never going to do anything wrong. We're talking about you as a being. God created your spirit to be the ruler, the king, not your soul. The soul is to be servant to the spirit man on the inside. The body's just a slave. Your body does whatever your soul tells it to do. If your, body, if your soul wouldn't have told your body to get up and come to church today, you wouldn't have come to church today. If your soul said, I'm tired. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, man, I'm going to go off too far here probably maybe. If your soul said, I'm tired, are you really? Are you really tired? Really? You're tired. 
Well, yeah, I'm tired. I worked hard. Okay, but are you really tired? See, you're still calling yourself a body. You're not a body. I said, you're not a body. Your body's the dust of the ground. You're not a body. What are you? You're a spirit. Question, does your spirit ever sleep? Never. Does your spirit ever get tired? Never. Are you really tired? No, your body is. Pastor, would you hurry up preaching today? I'm hungry. You're not hungry. Your body's hungry. Oh, I wish you would understand. Well, isn't that kind of, you know, just slicing hair? No, this is telling you the truth of the reality of what Scripture wants you to walk in. Because as long as you focus on the old Adamic nature of the soul or the body, guess what? You're never going to walk in that new nature of your spirit. So the moment your spirit got born again, there, there, there came in you, Romans 7, a conflict. There was no conflict inside you before you got born again. All three of these, the sinful spirit that's ruling the, the soulish nature and the body, they're all in agreement, man. They're all in agreement. They're functioning together. You listening? But the spirit man gets born again, and who comes to live in your spirit man? The Holy Spirit. That's proof you're perfect because the Holy Spirit couldn't live in you if you had sin in your spirit man. Well, I just wish I could overcome this flesh. You can. Learn to do what I'm telling you and start identifying with the inner guy, and you'll walk in the spirit. You'll deny the flesh. So when the spirit man got born again, that created a problem. That created a conflict that Paul talks about all through Romans chapter 7. Man, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do. Relating to that spirit man and the soulish nature that's telling the body what to do. But you know what God wants you to do as a born-again believer? He wants all three of those functioning as one again. And when you do, guess what you walk in, soulish person? Guess what you walk in, soulish person? Guess what you walk in? Peace. Guess what you walk in? Joy. Guess what you walk in? Long-suffering. Guess what you walk in? Self-control. Guess what you walk in? Gentleness. These are all fruits of your spirit, man. They're all in there. Amen. And when the spirit man dominates, this is how God set it up. Your spirit's supposed to be the king. Your soul is supposed to be servant to your spirit man, not the king. Your soul is not supposed to sit on the throne of your life. Your spirit man is. And when the soul gets submitted to the spirit, these two now are working together. And the soul is going to tell the body what to do and not to do. So now it comes in line and you're walking now again as a total man. But as long as you're governed by your image of your old nature, by walking a relationship to your soulish nature, looking at that only and not the new man, guess what? You're going to be governed by that old fallen nature. And that's what Paul meant in Romans 7 about this battle that was going on right before we got here to Romans 8 and 9. So Romans chapter 8 again, watch this. For whom he God foreknew. See, I came from God. Say that please. All spirits came from God. I don't have time to go through that, but all spirits came from God. He placed those spirits in that mother's womb at the time of conception. There was nothing wrong with that spirit. When you came to the knowledge of sin, as Paul says in Romans 7, you died spiritually. When did that happen? Individually, that's separate for every person. But he's the father of all spirits. If it's true that you were born into this earth with a fallen spirit, that means it came from the devil. He ain't a creator. He has no ability to create spirits. James says God is the father of all spirits. This is how he foreknew you because you were actually with him before you ever brought here. You listening? Watch this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Say predestined. He had a plan for your life. Woo, come on. He had a plan. Say, God had a plan. What was it? To be conformed, underline it, please, to the image of his son. See, where's my identity going to be found? Where's my true identity now going to be found? In the image of Christ. How do I get an image of Christ? You got to focus your lens. Come on, somebody. Help me preach today. Tell your neighbor, he's already preaching better than you're amen, man. I don't know where you're at today, but you need to wake up real quick and get your amen or fix. Praise the Lord. So notice this. We are to be conformed to what? What are we to be conformed to? The image of his son. That he might do what? That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He was just the firstborn, not the only one. Because after him, guess what? Somebody else got born again. Somebody else got born again. And down the line somewhere, you and I got born again. So everybody who's born again is supposed to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. 30, moreover, whom he what? Predestined these he also. I'm waiting you to catch up so you know, I know you're reading this with me. Those he predestined he also. Whom he called these he also. So you're not going to justify yourself. 
Justified means made right with God. That's like in the context of the word justification, just as if I never sinned. Your spirit, in the context, that new man of your spirit, man, he's never sinned. Amen. He never has. If your spirit man has sinned, the Holy Spirit would have to leave you. Come on. It's not your spirit that sins. Your soulish nature takes over kingship again and causes your body to do things you're not supposed to do. Right. Notice again, verse uh, 30, Moreover, whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, these he also justified, whom he justified, these he also what? Glorified. These he also what? Glorified. These he also what? Glorified. He glorified. Meanwhile, he's already given you the glory of the Father. Amen. He's already given you the presence, the manifest presence of the Father. It's living in you. Right. He comes to dwell within you. 31, so what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, question, who can be against us? Answer the question, please. Answer the question, please. If God's for me, and in this case meaning, he's justified me, so he is for me and in me. If that's true, then who can be against me? Nobody. Well, how come we get overtaken? Because you're still living under the old Adamic nature. You're not walking with the picture of who you now are in Christ. When you walk as who you are in Christ, you can go around and use the name of Jesus, command demons to get the heck out of the way. Amen. You listening? You can command mountains to move. They have to obey you. Come on, guys. I'm just quoting the Bible. Some of you are still looking to be like that calf looking at a new gate. These are all things that are black and white in Scripture. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, you command it to move. It will obey you. If you speak to the tree and curse it, it will obey you. Why? Because he gave you that ability as a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. You're going to see it in a minute. You're one with him. Right. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Nobody can. 32, he who did not spare his own son, say, thank you, Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for what? us all. Next question, how shall he not with him also? With him. With him also do what? Freely give us what? All things. What did Jesus like? Nothing. What should you lack in life? Nothing. Why do people lack in life? They don't know who they are. They're not walking in the right image. 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's you. Who will bring a charge against us? It's God who justifies. Well, you're not right with God. Who are you to say I'm not right with God? You God? No. God said I'm right with him because I'm born again. He just declared it. I've been justified. Who are you to tell me whether I'm right with God or not? I believe God. I don't believe you. Amen. Well, you're stupid. Oh, man, I've been told all my life I'm stupid. Therefore, I'm stupid. Are you born again? Yeah. Okay, so who are you identifying with? Right. You identifying with your old nature? Or you identifying with a new guy who you now are in Christ? Hallelujah. I thought of this the other day, you know. A lot of people say, and I've, I've said it, and, I, and God's correcting me on it, man. I've said, man, I don't have a very good memory. Well, see, there you go. I'm talking about my old, my old physical, fleshly nature. I have a question. Does the Holy Spirit live in you? Yeah. Who, who knows everything? God. Yeah. Isn't God in the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. Didn't the Bible say he would bring? All Come on, preach, to your, preach back to your pastor today. God said the Holy Spirit would bring? All to your? Well, if you're being governed by your spirit, man, guess who you're listening to? The Holy Spirit. I got to show you this real quick. So if I as a spirit being have the Holy Spirit living in me, guess what I have? Direct communication from heaven. What could I not know? Nothing. Right. Bible, he even said I'm not holding anything back. Amen. So I have the ability to have God to communicate with me, but he does not communicate with my soul and he doesn't communicate with my body. Not under the New Testament. He doesn't tell you things by what you see going down the road. He might show, you might see something down the road, and in your spirit, he might bear witness with your spirit to reveal something, but it's not because you saw something that God spoke to you. God doesn't bear witness with your body. He does not bear witness with your soul. Romans 8 says he bears witness with your spirit, man. So how does God communicate with us? Through your spirit, man. Wait a minute. What if my soul is not... Focusing on the new man, I'm focused on me, I'm listening to me, I'm doing what I, the old nature, wants to do. What have I just done? You ready? You ready? You just cut off communication to heaven. Wished I could hear God, learn who you are, and start looking at the right person. You can hear him, no problem. The reason you can't is because you're being soulish governed. Because if you're not soulish governed and you're governed by your spirit, guess who has no problem revealing stuff to your spirit? God. Why do we not hear him? Because we're not governed by our spirit. We're governed by our soul. Good. Amen. Watch this. He goes on and says in verse 14, 
Who is he who condemns? In other words, who is it that condemn me for eternity? No human can do that. Because God says, I've been justified. God says, I've been delivered from eternal condemnation. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes what? Intercession for us. Now, by the way, can I throw a little, little extra little bonus thing in here? When it says he intercedes for you, he's not sitting there praying for you. That's not what that means. Everybody thinks the word intercession means he's praying. It didn't say he's praying for you. He said, at, sitting at the right hand of the Father, he is in a place of intercession for you. Thank you, Roy Hicks, who's now in heaven, a great spiritual father of our pastor. Roy Hicks studied this out, and he said, for years I heard people say, Jesus is praying for you. Any idea if that was true, how much praying Jesus would have to be doing? Second question, if Jesus is really praying for you, doesn't his prayers get answered? Yes. Third question, then what's wrong with you? Why are you not walking at all God has for you? Evidently, his praying doesn't work too good. You can say it. He's preaching better. Yeah, because his prayers get answered. Well, doesn't he want God's will done in your life here on earth just as it is in heaven? Then obviously, if he's sitting up there praying for you, why isn't that happening? Evidently, he ain't as great a prayer as we thought he was. No, intercession means to bridge the gap. Say, bridge the gap. Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where are we at on the right hand of Jesus? In the eyes of God. What is Jesus? Jesus is the bridge that made it possible for us to be with the Father. Intercession means he bridged the gap. By his shedding of the blood, guess what? There's no separation between you and God anymore. That's what the word intercession means. There is no gap between you and God. Jesus bridged the gap. Amen. I said Jesus bridged the gap. Amen. Him sitting at the right hand of the Father is proof of that. Right. Are you still with me? Yes. 35, who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? If all these things are true, who's going to separate me from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation, because I went through a little tribulation, or some distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Do those things tell me God must not love me? Because I'm going through some type of tribulation, persecution, distress, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, does that mean God doesn't love me? No. None of that means God doesn't love you. None of those things can, honestly, none of those things mean God don't love you. God already did what you need to do to overcome them. Doesn't mean you won't face them, but he gave you the ability, just like Jesus, to walk in victory. As it is written. For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Talking about Paul preaching the gospel who was being challenged to be killed almost every time he did. Verse 37, picking back up though. Notice this, yet in all these things we are what? Tell me. Tell me please. Tell me please. Shout it at me. Shout it at me. Yeah, you do better than that for an NFL game. Super Bowl. Basketball, baseball, I don't know, what's your thing? Rodeo. What are you again? More than That's a shout. What are you again? More than See, Some of you need to learn to start raising your voice in this earth to say, you know what? I ain't putting up with this stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're, they're circling the walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day, they're circling seven times. This is the obstacle they're facing to go into their promised land. So they, after the seventh time, you know, God says, now when I tell you to shout, shout. So they get around the seventh time, and so Joshua tells them, shout. <laughs> Glory to God. No, no. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? No. Those walls would have stood up. That's true, right? What did God tell them to do? Shout. What are you? Some of you might wake up after lunch. Well, I don't think I have to be boisterous. Let me help you. Demons are boisterous. Satan has no problem raising his voice, his voice against you. Devils have no problem raising their voice against you. Do you know when Jesus dealt with demons, it's not in there in the context of punctuation because it was in the New Testament. We find it through revelation of understanding of people that I, through the ages, information passed down. When he dealt with demons, he didn't, he didn't speak to them quietly. He raised his voice and used his authority and spoke with authority and said, you come out in Jesus' name. Not like that. So you are what again? Tell me. More than 38. For I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded neither death nor life, angels nor principalities nor powers, those are works of darkness, nor things present nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to do what separate us 
from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you know why that's true? I'm going to tell you why nothing can separate you from the love of God. You ready? Yes. Here's why. Because of who you now are. Back to verse 29. I want you to see this. For whom God foreknew, he predestined you. He had a plan for you. What was that plan? You would be conformed to the image of his son. How do I become conformed to the image of his son, pastor? You must start focusing on the right image. You must start zooming in your focus on the right image. And if you'll do it, you'll get a picture of that image and that's who you are. I'm going to read this from another translation. Romans 8, 29. From the distant past, his eternal love reached into the future. You see, he knew those who would be his one day, and he chose them beforehand to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus would be the firstborn of a new family of believers, all brothers and sisters. Meaning what? We're just like him. Go to John 17. You still with me today? What's the problem for the average believer today, pastor? They don't know their true identity. If you know your true identity, you don't make statements talking about your old body or your old fleshly nature. I got this. I got that. I, I, I have a, you know, be very careful. I have somebody that I know very close. And I always see him posting stuff all the time about dysfunction, ADHD, all these things that they say they have. And I just want, I'm serious, I just want to walk up and slap him and say, would you please wake up and realize you're talking about the old nature. But sadly, those things still govern your life today. And I'm going to tell you why they still govern your life today. Because you don't have the right image. You don't know your true identity. If you knew your true identity, you could change all of that. You could change. Listen, just so in case you're going to challenge me before I get done today about this, let me throw a verse at you. Let me throw a verse at you. Ready? John 15. I better look at it to make sure I get it right. We're close. You want to see it? Back up. Look at John 15. Watch this. 7. John 15, 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Yes. Wow. Yes. Who said that? Jesus. Shout it at me. Jesus. I'm going to go back to the ball game. Shout it at me. Jesus. We sang about it today. I just speak the name. Right? Read it again. If you abide in me, qualifier. And my words abide in you, qualifier, something we got to do. But if that happens, guess what? You can ask what you desire. And it shall be done. Can you ask for deliverance from all these diseases and disorders and dysfunction? Absolutely. Why? Jesus already delivered you from them. You're just functioning out of the flesh instead of the spirit. If you function out of your spirit, now subjecting your soul to your spirit, man, your body is going to see change because now your spirit is emanating out from you. And the Holy Spirit's power is emanating out from you. And it's going to change what's going on on the outside. The reason a lot of Christians have a hard time getting healing themselves is because they're too soulish focused. Where's the healing power of God at today? Where's the healing power of God at today? It's in you. Romans 8, 11. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, does he? That same spirit will quicken your mortal body. Quicken means give life to your mortal body. That means he's going to heal your mortal body. Why can he not do that for most Christians? Because their soul is blockading that power from emanating through them into their body. Because their soul ain't looking that direction. Their soul is looking to itself. Their soul is looking to the body. I hurt. I have pain. I'm this. I'm that. If you abide in me. So what's the qualifier? We got to abide in Jesus. To abide in Jesus means what? I got to commit my life fully to him. If I'm abiding in Jesus, what's my lens focused on? Come on, somebody. If I'm abiding in Jesus, what's my lens focused on? What's my view all about in life? Jesus. And his word must do what? Oh, so I got to live in the book now. Well, I can't do that. Then you're not going to ask what you desire and get it. But if the word abides in you, what's that mean? It comes alive in you takes over your inner man. Your mind is so renewed to the word that it saturated your soul with it. Amen. Now you're going to do what? Ask what you desire. Yes, Lord. And it might. Shout it out. What did he say? Shout it out. 
Now tell me, that's not a promise from God. Did he lie about it? Can we do this? John 17. So I want to prove to you of the the truth of the fact the guy on the inside is already just like Jesus. You just don't know it. The real identity, the real you. Look at John 17. So this was a prayer, remember? This was Jesus' prayer right before he went to the, uh, the cross. He was praying not just for his immediate disciples, but he was also praying for me and you. Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, his immediate disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Lift your hand if you've believed in Jesus. I mean, put your faith in him, accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Lift it up high like you're not ashamed. I've done that. Well, you know where that came from? Their word, because it was passed down through generations. So who do we know he's also praying for now? You. Now here he is praying, because this was a prayer when he was still here. 21, notice what the prayer's about. That they all may be one. As you, Father, listen, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be, underline it, one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Do you know what the church who walks in the light of who they are as a child of God does? They prove to the world Jesus really came. Because when you walk in the light of oneness with Jesus, you do what Jesus did. And what do you prove? Jesus is for real, folks. He really came. 22, the glory, that's God's manifest presence. What did he say say to us back over in Romans? You've already got it. You've already been glorified. Thank you for your amends about that. Praise God. Glad I got... Uh, glad I got attention in the back row. And the glory which you have, watch, what you, what, what, the glory which you gave me, I have what? Excuse me? Excuse me? The manifest presence of God you gave me, I've now given to them. You've already got it. That they may be one just as we are. 23, I in them. Say he's in there. I in them. I thought he's at the right hand of the Father. By the Holy Spirit, he's in you. He's made you just like him. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know again. Why does the world not know that God sent Jesus and he's loved them as he has loved uh, Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because the church don't know who they are. I'll read it again. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. How do you become perfect or whole, complete? How do you become complete? You become one with Jesus. The moment you became one with Jesus, born again, guess what you became? Complete. You got everything you needed. It's inside you. I said it's inside you. There's nothing else he has to add to you. He's already given it to your spirit man. Some of you say, well, no, I need some money. That's outwardly. He's already given you in your spirit the ability to walk in the light of his blessings. I and them, watch this again, very very clear. You get this? I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know. What does God want people to do? He wants the world to know that Jesus, that the Father had sent Jesus and has loved them as God has loved him. How are they going to know that? They're not going to know that if you're walking in your old carnal nature. Because if you're walking in your old carnal nature, you'll give me the frowns like you do when I preach, and you'll give me the smears and the, you know, oh, if I believe that or not. You know, well, you're just going by your soul. Didn't the Bible tell you this, black and white? Well, yeah. Well, that ought to be good word for you. You know, I, I, I got to correct this statement that I just really kind of started bothering me yesterday, and I was like, okay, Lord, what's the deal about that? I want you to get this. Do you know the, the, the Bible, the Word of God, can be one of two things to every individual it comes to? According to the Bible. The Bible can be bread or it can be a stone. Oh, don't use the Bible to throw stones. You don't have to. I wouldn't intentionally try to use the Bible to hurt somebody ever. Jesus comes to religious leaders. You whitewashed sepulchers. That sounds like a stone to me. And it sounds like bread. You get real quiet when you preach like this. Well, he wasn't trying to hurt them. Guess what? That could have been bread to them. How could it have been bread? They received the truth that they obviously are walking on the outside trying to show everybody else as if they really have life on the inside. They're dead and don't know it. Whitewash sepulcher. Why do you say it? So if they'd wake up to that fact, that would be bread to them. What would that bread do? Change their life? But you know what First Peter chapter 2, verse 8 says about the Word of God? 
First Peter 2, 8 says, For all who do not obey the word, it is a stone of offense. It offends them as if a stone was hurled at them. Why? They didn't obey it. What determines whether the word I'm receiving today from my pastor is bread or a stone? You do. You do. If you accept it for what Jesus said it is and apply it, guess what you're getting today? Bread. Manna. If you're not, guess what you're getting today? Offended. He's throwing stones at me. No, I'm not. I'm preaching the word. Well, you've already brought me up on your message. No, I didn't. You've already mentioned stuff that I've said. I wasn't referring to you. I'm referring to a lot of people on the planet today. And if you took an offense to that, guess what the word was to you? A stone. Not because it wasn't the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we're supposed to be renewed to the image of Jesus. To Jesus go around saying, man, I'm depressed, guys. I'm, I'm wore out. I'm done. I've had it. I'm this. I'm that. I, 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 my cancer, boy, my cancer is now taking over my... I'm not belittling these attacks at all. I'm not doing that at all. Here's the problem. You keep claiming it at yours, and you're going to have it. Because you're not claiming the new person. Jesus never claimed any of those things because he was none of those things. You're no longer any of those things as a spirit being, and that will change the guy on the outside if you'll get a picture of the new image. And start living by your spirit, man. So, again, Jesus clearly said in verse 23, he's in us. Say, he's in me. I in them, and who's in him? The Father's in him. That we may be what? Made perfect, complete, have everything we need. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. What are we talking about today, Pastor? Your true identity. Please, 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 for your sake and for the world's sake who needs to see Jesus, start identifying with who you really are. Start identifying. Get your little focus. Get your little lenses focused on who Jesus is. Because the more you learn about him, the more you learn about you. He's living in you. You are the image of Christ. I'm going to show you this here in this verse very clearly. And a lot of people want to still debate this. Okay, let's look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, are you there? Yes. Verse 17. He who is joined to the Lord. How do you get joined to the Lord? Born again. He who is joined to the Lord, underline it, is one spirit with him. Huh? You're one spirit with Jesus. If you're one spirit with Jesus, everything Jesus is, you already are. Man, you missed a good place to shout and say amen right there. I'll say it again. I'll give you a second shot. Everything the Bible says, Jesus is, you are. Why? You're one spirit. You just don't know you're a spirit. You're still functioning out of the soulish nature. You're not looking to the guy on the inside like the Bible tells you to. Jesus depressed? Nope. Is Jesus thinking God don't love him? Nope. Is Jesus fearful? Nope. Is Jesus frustrated? Nope. Is Jesus walking in peace? Yep. Is he full of joy? Yep. Love? Yep. Well, guess what? That's you. That's you. Go to Galatians 5. I'll prove it. Galatians 5. Hope you're listening today. Because when you start walking in your true identity, you know what's going to happen? Your spirit man, which I'm about to read about, is going to flourish through your entire being. And guess what people around you are going to know? There must be a God. You know why? Because they knew you how you were before. <laughs> man, there must be a God. Woo! For Daryl to walk like that today, there must be a God. Pastor Barclay says it all the time. He said, I've had people all my life as a pastor in Midland. He grew up in a little town called Harrison, up quite a ways north of Midland. He said, you know, word would get back to Harrison from people that would be in this area, you know. Like they had a, because they had a billboard. I don't know if they saw They had a billboard for years, you know. It said, Living Word Church had pastor's picture on it. People would see it like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Is that the Mark Barclay from Harrison, Michigan? He's literally had people come to his church and show up just to simply look and see if it was really him. One guy walked up and touched him. Said, is that you, Mark? Said, what are you doing, you nut? He said, is that really you? The same Mark Barclay? The, the little demon terror from Harrison, Michigan? Is that really? It's me. 
How can it be? A preacher? A preacher? I don't know, man. How this happen? He said, Jesus. Well, don't you still bite, kick, and step? Oh, no. All that man died. I just learned to stop relating to the old fleshly nature still associated with that. Started learning about my new nature. You know why Dr. Barclay went in the, mil- in the military, went in the Marines? Because he wanted to hurt people. And he found out that the actual military would pay him to do it. I'm serious. He said, I was one demon-possessed individual. Guarantee it. He was an alcoholic by the age of 13. Drank no less than a certain amount of whiskey or booze or, or beer every single day. Then Jesus came. Middle of Vietnam, second tour. Cried out to God. He said, I'll guarantee you what, war will change your way of thinking. War will wake you, make you wake up pretty quick. He said, if, you, if you're really for real, God... I really love Vicky. I'd really like to go home. I really don't want to die over here. I've seen way too many people die over here. But I would really like to go home to my family. And if you'll get me home, I'll serve you. Yes. Amen. You can say what you want, but guess what happened that day on that military battlefield? He got born again. Amen. So my life forever changed. Then I come home from my second tour in Vietnam, and I'm actually at Camp Pendleton now. I'm born again. And he said, now I'm a drill instructor. Anybody remember the old Marine drill instructor? He said, I loved it when they first get off that bus, all them young recruits, man. Because he said, you wear that, you know, you wear that straight brim cap, you know, and they line up and you walk up and you make sure that brim just whacks them right in the head. Just whack them. I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. You serve me now. You do what I tell you to do. You got that boy? Yes. What? You got that boy? Yes, sir. Don't you forget it. And he said, of course, in the midst of all that, we throw a lot of exploitive words that obviously you shouldn't say as a believer in there. And now all of a sudden, the first time I'm doing with this as a born-again believer and I'm talking to a recruit, a word's about to come out of my mouth and I go, uh. He goes to his guy above him and he said, uh, he said, uh, Jesus has ruined me to be a drill instructor. I probably can't do this anymore. No, you can still do it. Well, I can't cuss. What do you mean you can't cuss? Spirit won't let me. My spirit man won't let me. They don't cuss words in your spirit man. Come on, somebody. So when they actually would come down from Harrison, they'd see him. Really? This is the same Mark Barclay. And word got back to Harrison. That's really him? That's really the same guy who got kicked out of school? Who beat up almost every kid in school? Who terrorized all of Harrison? Same guy. Say new man. man. So in truth, guess what it wasn't? Wasn't the same guy. Same outer shell, not the same inner shell. I want you to see this. Galatians, are you there yet? Galatians 5, 16. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not do what? The word spirit here is capitalized, but in the original language there was no capitalization. There was no punctuation. English translators added it. English translators added it. This is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's talking about your spirit. Because think about it. If your spirit was in a battle against your flesh, guess who would have already won? The Holy Spirit. He don't lose battles. There's no fight between the Holy Spirit and your flesh. It's a fight between your spirit and your flesh. Your new man and your flesh. Walk in your spirit and you shall not do what? Fulfill the lusts of your flesh. Because the flesh lusts against what? Your spirit. The spirit against the flesh. And these are what? They're contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. What do you mean I'm not under the law? This is Ten Commandments reference here. Well, if I'm led by the spirit, I don't have to uphold the law. If you're led by the spirit, you'll never violate it. Amen. Your spirit will never cause you to commit adultery. Your spirit will never cause you to murder. Your spirit will never cause you to lie. So you're not under law because guess what? You're walking in fulfillment of it. Watch this. He goes on and says here very clearly. You ready for this? You're not going to like it. I said, you're not going to like it. This is still in your soulish body Adamic nature. You ready? But now the works of the flesh. Say they're still there. They're evident. Which are what? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. 
There's more we could list. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We mean inherit. You won't walk in the light of your inheritance in the kingdom if you're fleshly ruled. That's what he just said. You have an inheritance in the kingdom. Life and that more abundantly. You won't walk in that if you walk in the flesh because you're not letting your spirit dominate. You're letting your flesh dominate. Read on. You ready to put a smile on your face? But the fruit of your spirit, man. Your new spirit, man. Is your spirit made one spirit with Jesus? So all these things are in your spirit, man. Not just the Holy Spirit. This is referring to your spirit, man. Notice this. The fruit of your spirit, man. Is you ready? You ready? You ready? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you walk in those, you can't get offended. If you walk in those, you can't get hurt feelings. Why? You're not, you're not being ruled by your feelings. You're being ruled by this new spirit man who has all these fruits in it. You still here? Against such there is no law. Verse 23, gentleness, self-control, against such there is what? Once again, if you walk in the fruit of your spirit, guess what you won't do? You won't violate the Ten Commandments. And those who are Christ have done what? Crucified the flesh with its... What he's saying there, if you belong to Jesus, if you submit your life to Jesus, if you get this new image of Jesus, come on, alive in you, guess what you do? You kill this fleshly man. Because you're not ruled by your fleshly man anymore. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, we should also do what? So what he's saying is, so we've been given new life through the Spirit. Guess what we should do? Walk in that new life. How do we do that? You start looking at the new you. You start finding your true identity. Your true identity is not in your fleshly man. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Those were bonus verses, by the way. You got bonus verses today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So let's talk more about the real you. Are you serious about all this stuff? Listen, listen. I'm not only serious, God's serious about it. Because everybody in this New Testament that learned to walk this way, how could Paul go through all the challenges Paul went through and say, ah, light afflictions. Light afflictions. I don't ever hear anybody come to me having problems in any aspect of their personal life and say, now, pastor, these are just light afflictions. <laughs> no, this is, oh my God, my life, what am I going to do? But Paul, how many of you have been beaten with rods? Raise your hand, you've been beaten with rods. No. How many have been uh, whipped with a cat of nine tails, striped? You have. Really? <laughs> oh, I'll let you handle that at lunch afterwards. Praise the Lord. <laughs> how many have ever been shipwrecked, left out in the ocean with, with sharks floating around? You're the bobber. Hadn't happened to you? No. Paul went through. How many ever been stoned outside of a city, left for dead? No. Didn't happen to you? Paul said, light afflictions. Light. Why? He knew the new image. Amen. He was governed by the inward man. All those things meant nothing. Hallelujah. Listen, man, the average Christian today can't take a dislike on Facebook without falling apart. <laughs> and we think we're going to win the world? I don't think so. How's the world going to see Jesus? They're not going to see him by that. I've said it before, and I'm going to tell you, until you mature as a believer, some of you don't need to be on social media. Most of that junk you're feeding on anyway ain't giving you the right image. It's giving you the wrong image. All this world's designed, you listening to me? All this world's designed by Satan to take your focus off the true identity of who you are and get you identified with what the world says about you. Yeah, but my mama, doesn't matter. If she didn't line it up with the Bible, guess what? That's not the new you. I'm about to read the new you. But my dad taught, it doesn't matter. Well, but I've always had problems with this. Okay, maybe in your brain, in the natural, in your body, in the physical, but you got a Holy Spirit. You got a guy who knows everything. You listening today? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you still with me? Watch this, 16. Therefore, from now on, Paul said, knowing Jesus died for everybody, we don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Underline it. Wow. Powerful statement. 
We don't regard anyone according to the flesh. Paul's saying not only do we not see ourselves from the flesh, we don't see others that way. How can you love the unlovely? You don't see him as a fleshly being. How can you love your enemies? You're not looking at the guy on the outside. You're looking at the spirit on the inside. Come on, somebody. Don't tell me your flesh had never got you to do something your spirit didn't want you to do. Still here? Watch this. He says, we don't, we don't recognize anyone according to the flesh anymore. Even though, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So yeah, we did know. Now Paul did by just experience of Jesus visiting him. In the context, yes, he actually came in a physical body, but that's not what we're focused on. We realized after him being raised from the dead, he's not a physical body. He's a spirit being in a glorified body. 17, therefore, if anyone is what? I know you know the verse, but listen to it carefully. If anyone is what? What is he? Tell me out loud. Oh, oh, new creation. New creation. Something didn't exist before. Are you in Christ? Raise your hand. If you know you're in Christ, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Guess what you are? Guess what you are? You know why you don't live like one? You don't identify with him. You identify with the old nature. But we can. Yes. Notice this. Old things of what? Old things. Old things. Old habits. Old ways. All capable of being overcome now because I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, guess what? All things have become. All things have become. I love this. The Greek language says a new way of living has come. Woo! A new way of living. What's that new way of living? Spirit governed. Walking in the new image. Come on. Not identifying with the old nature, but with my new man. Who I really am. Watch this. 18. Now all things are of God. What? Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling others. That is, God was in Christ doing what? Reconciling the world to himself. Notice, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us this word of reconciliation. So what does that mean? That means God's not keeping a record of anybody's sins anymore. Why? It's not their sins that sends them to damnation. It's the sin nature within them. What are their sins a result of? The sin nature within them. As a believer now that I'm born again, what causes me to sin? It ain't your new nature within you. It's you choosing to go by the old image and not see the new man. But we can change that. I said, we can change that. Go to Genesis 17. I got to close, man. Genesis 17. I'd like to go about another two hours. Can you tell? Genesis 17. Well, I'm glad you're about to quit because I'm getting hungry. Are you really getting hungry? <laughs> no, your body's hungry, but your spirit's not. Who are you being ruled by? Your butt, your 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 gut, your your stomach, your your. You listening? I know I made a mistake. I didn't mean to say that word. I was trying to say two words at the same time. Are are you ruled by your old fleshly nature? Because if you are, then you're hungry. Genesis 17. You there? Watch this. Genesis 17. Listen very carefully. This is proven all through the Bible. Verse 1. When Abram. Say Abram. Notice not Abraham here. Abram. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord did what? He appeared to him. He appeared to Abram and he said to him, I am Almighty God. What am I? That's the, that's the word in the Hebrew there. El Shaddai. Meaning what? I'm the all-powerful one. Why did he tell him that to start? Because there ain't nothing I can't do. I'm El Shaddai, watch this, walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you. Then Abram fell on his face and God did what? He talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. What, you, what will you be? How do you know? Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall now be called Abraham. Why underline For I have made you. I have made you a father of many peoples, many nations. Who made him that? God did. Who made you a new creation in Christ? God did. You've already been made a new creation in Christ. You're already one spirit with the Lord. So the word Abram here means exalted father. Here God didn't fully change his name. He added to it. 
So he took the name Abram, exalted father, because he had no kids. He now added to it, and he called him Abraham, exalted father of many people. And when he changed his name, guess what he changed? His image. Changed his image. Gave a whole new name to start seeing a whole new image of who he now is. Way before Isaac was ever born. Why did God do that? Had to give him a new image. He wasn't an exalted father of many people. I know my name means exalted father, but I don't even have any kids. Certainly I'm not an exalted father of many people. But God changed his name and says, I've made you. Yeah, but no, 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 no. I've made you. But you understand, I'm a, uh, 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 I made you. But, but Lord Sarah, uh, 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 I made you. See, you're going by what you say, not what I say. I made you. He did the same thing for Sarah. Drop down a little further, verse 15. God said to Abraham, as Sarai, your wife, notice this. As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but now I'm going to change it to Sarah. This shall be her new name. I will do what? Bless her. What will I do? Bless her. How's he going to do that? A child. I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. And she shall, uh, she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall, call, shall uh, be from her. Her first name, Sarai, if you actually go back to the original Hebrew language, not just look in the definition in the Bible that scholars just put in a definition for. If you go back to the original name Sarai in Hebrew, guess what it meant? Contention. Guess what Sarah means? Princess. She went from contentious to a princess in the eyes of God. Why did he change her name? I'm going to give you a new vision. You're no longer going to be contentious. You're not going to be a princess. You're going to bring forth many nations of people. One more verse. You got time? Matthew 16. I got time because I'm not hungry. <laughs> Matthew 16. Poke your neighbor says, sure glad I came today. Don't know about you. Now don't say it if you don't mean it. You'd be lying. Matthew 16. <laughs> He did this with somebody else in the New Testament. Did it with a man named Simon. Why? Got to give him a new image. Got to give him a new picture. Matthew 16, 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, son of man, am? So they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say I am? Simon, whose name is about to be changed to Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered in verse 17 and said to him, blessed are you. Notice he didn't say Simon Peter because he hadn't changed his name yet. The scripture just revealing it was going to be changed. Watch this. Blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah. What's Simon Bar-Jonah? Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Why? Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. How did Peter get revelation of who Jesus was? The Father revealed it to him. Once he got revelation of the truth, what did Peter do? He now declared it. You're the Son of the living. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. 18. I say to you that you are what? Changed his name. You're no longer Simon. You're now Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth be loose in heaven. The name Simon up until that time meant one who just listens. He was just a listener. But the word Peter means rock or a part of a rock. What was that rock? Truth. truth. Amen. What was the truth? Revelation of the truth. Which now was being what? Spoken by him. Why'd he change his name? So you were Simon, just one who sat and listened. You're now going to be Peter, a one who speaks the truth. Amen. New picture. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. You were once a sinner. You are no longer a sinner. You've been saved by grace. You are now one spirit with the Lord. 
And if you'll start recognizing your true identity, how do I do that? You got to get your focus right. Got to get your focus right to create the right image. And we're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead. If you get your focus right, guess what's going to happen? Your spirit man is going to rise to dominance. Yes, Lord. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to start speaking in line with the new you. Amen. Guess what's going to happen? The guy on the outside is going to change. Amen. Things on the outside are going to change. How do you know? Because like Jesus said, now you're walking one with him. And if you do that, the world will know. You know why? Because you don't sound like the world. No. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. Can't believe I did that. I'll never amount to anything. Now, see, that's how the world talks. But the world's going to say something different about you. How come you never talk negative? Because that ain't who I am. You listening? If I talk negative about me, I'm lying. I'm talk- that's the old nature. That ain't who I am. That's not who God says I am. Aren't you glad you can walk in your true identity? And it'll change you and it'll change your world around you. I'm ready to do that. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.